High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Amen. Yeah, I, I feel that, Pastor. When I was uh, coming in, I was on the phone with Castle, and I was like, do I call um, Pastor Robert Gay, Teacher Robert Gay, Apostle Robert Gay? So we, we do honor you all. And don't you love his shirts? We, you know, I came dressed like it's fall down here. I don't know why I was doing this. I don't know why I was doing this, coming to the beach dressing like this, like I'm a lumberjack. Come on. <laughs> Pastor Robert Gay is going to have to hook me up with his uh, uh, tailor and, uh, and all of that. So it is an honor to be here. Oh, my gosh, I love high praise. I tell you, was that worship phenomenal? Come on, can we give them a hand and honor them? Just amazing. I mean, just pick a singer. I mean, just any of them, right? They're just going to do it and just blow it open and just the gifts of the Spirit flowing. These men of God just sharing those words of knowledge, just hearing from the Lord. Man, you've got a great church. High praise, let me tell you, you've got a great church. I travel, I get to see different places, and I'm telling you, this church is alive. It's phenomenal, and God is moving, Amen. Well, I'm Brian Beasley. As Pastor was saying, I'm married to my lovely wife, Elise, and uh, unfortunately, her and my children couldn't make it tonight. They are, uh, three of my four children are in school. My wife teaches in the public schools there. She has pioneered uh, performing arts in the public schools there in Hamilton, so really, really big deal, and uh, right there in the trenches with kids that need Jesus. Anybody got kids in the public schools, and you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just many kids that need Jesus, and uh and she's there in the middle of them and just doing an incredible work. But they send their love. Miss Karen for the ramp sends her love. Uh, Casey Travis slash Travis Tritt uh, sends his love tonight. How many got to hear Pastor Casey last month? So Pastor Casey is in a Q&A with uh, some either RSM like uh, interest students or something like that. And uh, so one of the person raised up and said, well, I don't really have a question, but I do have a comment. I never, you know, when I saw you preaching, I, I said to myself, I never knew Travis Tritt could preach so well. If you don't know who Travis Tritt is, Google him later. It's a great day to be alive. It's a good song. All right. Well, I tell you, something happened to me about two years ago um, that, that was radically going to change my world. As Pastor said, I have a real heart for evangelism. Even when I was driving down here, I just began to hear the Holy Spirit whispering, it's harvest time in Florida. I, I just kept sitting there. It was so funny. I've not, I've not seen a combine I mean, I don't know when was the last time I've seen a combine. I mean, we live in the country. I'm, I'm from the country, you know, and we're just driving. And all of a sudden, I'm just making these declarations about evangelism. And I look, and there's a combine. What, is, what does a combine represent? It means mass harvest. It's a lot of harvest coming at once, right? And I just, just coming down here, seeing the cotton fields and just, man, it's harvest time. And I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying, man, in Florida, it's harvest time. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what God does with devastation. God doesn't bring devastation, but God can win with any hand. And when the enemy plays his hand, God will turn it for good, right? COVID won from Jesus. Come on, somebody. 
But you know what God did with COVID? He opened the heart of the world up for the gospel. You know, when 2020 hit, all began to shut down overnight, I became an international Zoom preacher. I didn't even know that was possible, right? God said nations, but I didn't know it was going to look like that, right? And overnight, I am preaching in a Muslim nation to people that have, number one, have never heard the name of Jesus, entire Muslim families, idol worshipers who worship the dead and all these charms. And next thing you know, I am right there on their doorstep preaching the ABCs of the gospel and leading these people to Christ. And I'm going, what in the world? And I just realized God's going, I'm going to win no matter what. The devil's going to play his hand. He'll send a hurricane to Florida, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to turn this for good, and it's harvest time in Florida. And I tell you, capitalize on this moment because you're going to see more souls than ever before. But two years ago, as I was saying, just a real heart for evangelism, but God has a sense of humor. And God said, you know what, Brian, it's, 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 I, I appreciate this, and this is some, a lifelong assignment, but I'm going to throw you in the pastor pool for a little bit. Come on, somebody. Because evangelism's easy. I show up, blow it up, and let it go. Pastor, you got it. All right? You know what I mean, right? I come up, get a bunch of them saved, and say, Pastor Robert, Pastor Joshua, you got it. Disciple them. Grow them up. All this kind of stuff. But pastoring, you got to get in the trenches with people. Come on. Pastoring, you got to slow down and realize it's not just black or white. There's some gray. And I got to walk people to what they need to be. And you got to grow people and be patient with people. So God throws me in the deep end. Okay, God, number one, I need patience. Right, because an evangelist, they come in your office for counseling. You say, get right or get out, see ya. You know, right? It doesn't work that way. And so tonight I have a word that's not an evangelistic word. It's not a sending word. It's, it's not a faith word as I've preached here in the past. I've got a pastoral word for you tonight. I believe it's going to minister to you. Before I share that word, I want to, I want to tell a joke. And the reason I tell a joke is because my son said to me one day, he said, Daddy, he's eight years old, he's my oldest, oldest child. He said, Daddy, he said, why do you yell at the people when you get a, 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 on the stage? Well, son, I got an edge, right? I got, I got passion. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty. So before I yell at you tonight, let me tell you a joke. There's a little girl, and this little girl's in, in school, and she is in a conversation with her teacher about the animal whales, about the sea animal whales. I'm fascinated by this creature. And so they're talking about whales, and they're talking about this animal, and, uh, and the teacher says, did you know it is impossible for a whale to swallow a human because of the size of its esophagus? And the little girl kind of looked at a cross and said, well, I'm a Christian, and my Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. And there is no greater fish than the whale. So a whale can swallow a human because my Bible says so. And the teacher just argued back, said, honey, that's, that's just not true. It's just, it's just scientifically impossible. And the little girl got a little bit of sass about her. And she said, you know what? When I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah myself. So the teacher rebutted and said, well, well, if he's in hell. And she said, then you ask him. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Pastor Robert, I gift that to you. 
Pastor Casey Doss preached a phenomenal message. This is probably years ago about the 10 lepers and how the 10 lepers, they saw Jesus, they knew of Jesus' miracle working power, and they begin to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus stopped and looked at the 10 lepers and said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were what? They were cleansed, they were healed. This one of them, a Samaritan, returns to Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm not a leper anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Just so overly grateful. And Jesus is looking at the Samaritan, and he says, where are the other nine? Weren't all of you cleansed? And what does he tell the man? He tells the man, your faith has made you. All were cleansed. But only one was made whole. In the body of Christ, everyone who is a Christian is cleansed. But I'm concerned in the body of Christ, not everyone is whole. In the book of Revelation, over and over again, he says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. It's in red letters, and it's talking to Christians, to the churches, implying that not all believers overcome. All believers are forgiven, but all believers have not overcome. So tonight I want to talk to you about running to freedom and running to wholeness. I'll never forget it. I was at the ramp, and I love the worship tonight because it, it reminds me so much of the ramp and just being alive. And I was standing on stage right over here, 07, 08. And in those days, Bryn Waddell led worship for us, and we sang a song often that Hillsong did, that Darlene Check did, called Ask Me and I'll Give the Nations to You. So I'm over there, and I'm, I'm just in a posture of pressing in, and we're singing this song, and then Bryn would always go into this bridge, and he would just, just kind of a flow bridge, and he was like, Give us the nations, give us the nations. I'm crying out, God, give me the nations. Give me the nations. I'm just, I'm just in this passionate place. And God speaks right in the middle of me crying out for nations. And this is what he said. He said, Brian, I already have given you the nations. It's just a matter now of you dealing with your issues. That's what he said to me. I've already done it. Let me tell you something. From Genesis to Revelation is yours your inheritance but that does not mean there is maturity enough for him to hand you what is rightfully yours see everything I have belongs to my children it's theirs it's the it's rightfully theirs but that doesn't mean I'm tossing my keys to my eight-year-old and say pull the car up I'm endangering him I'm definitely endangering my property and I'm endangering others. It's his, but the level of maturity is not there to handle it. And there are things that God wants to release into our life, but until there's a level of maturity, he is withholding it, not out of, not out of being mean, but out of love. See, we have a scripture we quote, and in my translation, in your translation, it probably says this, be perfect, as your heavenly father is what? Perfect. 
But I looked into that Greek word because the word perfect in America is a cuss word. Because if we're not careful, we get into perfectionism. Leading to performance, leading to entertainment. It gets squirrely. But the word in Greek, when you study it, actually means mature. Be mature because your daddy's mature. You know what God wants from us? He wants us to grow up. And growing up doesn't always mean I'm perfect, but it means I'm mature. Are you with me? When I first came to the ramp, if, if, if the 17 or, or the, the, the 19, the 20-year-old then was standing up here now, that guy had a lot of issues. And I still got issues. But they're under my feet. Are you with me? I came and I was so insecure. I, I was asked to be a part of the ramp, part of Chosen. I was so insecure, I couldn't hold a conversation with you. So I would put, we would travel on these big charter buses all over the place. We came here in 05. And I would put a blanket up around my seat because I was so socially awkward, I couldn't engage in conversation with my own peers. So insecure, full of envy, full of lust, full of other, but burning for Jesus. Anybody ever been there? And as adults, we still got issues, but we're just more professional with them. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. Just got done fighting with my wife in the car, but I'm not going to tell you that. Right? Hallelujah. Right? We know how to dress them up as uh, much better. Right? So what's happened is I've walked with Jesus. As I've went, I've been cleansed. But there's a goal of not just cleansing, but wholeness. Completion. Looking like Jesus. We'll get that in just a second. I knew how to go after Jesus. I knew how to read my Bible and pray. Hebrews 12, I'll just paraphrase it for you. We know it very well. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And then he said this. He said, let us run the race for every one of you. There is a race that's set before you. Jesus has, has already set forth your destination, your destiny, your purpose, all of these things. You're, you've got to run a race. But he tells us there might be some things that are keeping you from running your optimal performance. He said the first thing, lay aside weights. And then he says, lay aside what? The sin. Now, we, you know, when I, when I hear that, I'm going, duh. Lay aside sin. He's talking to Christians, right? Hebrews, duh. But he didn't say lay aside sins. He said lay aside the sin. Because you know what your sin is, right? It might be nicotine or it might be cheesecake, right? The sin that so easily entangles you. He said lay it aside. And you've got to understand every sin is a weight. But not every weight is a sin. He's calling us to lay aside that one thing that keeps tripping you up, and you know what yours is. And then on top of that, he says, don't just lay that aside. Lay aside the weights. Now, I don't know about you, but let, let, me, let me get a little bit honest with you about some of my insecurity. We just recently started doing uh, devotionals for the track cross country there in Hamilton. And I, I've always had an issue, Pastor Robert, when I, I saw those men with very short Come on, somebody. Shorts. Right? 
I just, I, I, it made me insecure. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want to see your thigh. I don't want to see your leg. But then I got it one day. I got, I got, okay, I get it. Long shorts can be restricting. So if you're going to run your race to the optimal performance, then, okay, I'll, I'll give you the shorts thing. Right? But then I found out, Pastor Robert, that not only did they wear short, but I heard that they shave. Come on, somebody. Their leg. <laughs> now I can, I, can, I can see the shorts thing. I'm with you now. I'm not comfortable, but I'm with you. But shave your... Seriously? But to a runner, winning is so important that something as minute as a hair might hinder me from running my optimal performance. And th there are times in our lives that we tolerate things that are not sin, but they're just weights. And we're not running the race that we're meant to run. Are you with me? We must pursue to get better in every area of life. Now, I've got a relative, and I love this relative. I love him dearly. This relative years ago began to decline in his health. He began to gain weight. And as he began to gain weight, he began to develop more problems. Eventually, he went to the doctor, and the doctor said a very, very bold statement. At this point, he had gained a, a very big belly. He had all these health problems that, that, that came and attached itself to his life. And the doctor, in his professional opinion, said this. If you lose all the weight, all your problems will go away. That's a pretty bold statement. Right? And he had some problems. Unfortunately, he left that meeting with the doctor and continued to practice and do the habits that he was doing, and he declined and declined and declined to where now he's in a wheelchair. And I was bothered by this, very bothered, because I love them dearly. I pray for them. And I was bothered, and I was pondering, God, why? And even when I came and I would encourage him and be like, just walk to the mailbox and come back. Just, just stand up from your lazy boy a couple of times. Just do some squats and your, and your lazy boy. Do something. But then it hit me. Without a vision, the people perish. And in the Hebrew, when you dig into it, it says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint and run wild. What's the Bible saying? If you don't have a vision, you have no discipline. You're not going to get better in that area of your life. You're not going to want to. It's human nature to want to get better. When you get a headache outside of praying for it, what do you do? You take medicine. Advil, Tylenol, ibuprofen, what's your preference? Why? Because it's human nature to say, I don't want to feel this pain. It's human nature to want to get better. In our lives, holistically, Jesus is calling us to pursue him in every area. Listen, we can go in any area you want, mental, emotional, physical, let me tell you something. I've been to Israel. I saw those mountains he climbed. Jesus was a beast. 
I'm doing good to walk to my prayer closet in my house, let alone climb a mountain and go talk to my father for a few hours, right? Jesus wasn't no weakling. Are you with me? We must pursue to get better in every area of our life. Write this scripture down, Romans 8, 29. For whom the Father foreknew, he also predestined. Okay, this is good. He's about to tell us what he's predestined us to be. It's a big deal right here what Paul is about to say to us by the Holy Spirit. God foreknew us, he predestined us, and what did he predestine us to be? Conformed to the image of his son. I've got news for you tonight. Your destiny, your calling, I've already got it. I'm about to tell you. You don't have to seek for it anymore. Ready? To look like Jesus in every area of your life. Because you can be spiritual like Jesus, but still die early because of your health. Come on, somebody. You can do ministry, and you can do ministry well, and still lose your marriage. Come on, somebody. You can love your wife and have a great ministry, and your kids want nothing to do with it. These are realities that our enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not careful, we will be spiritually blinded, not just to our walks with God, but to other areas that he is calling us to be holistic in. So what's our destiny? Look like Jesus. So let's ask the question, was Jesus broken? Did Jesus, was Jesus broken? No, he was whole, right? He didn't have bad memories of when his mom and daddy left him in Jerusalem, right? He just had to live with it. You know, he's 30 and he's going, man, I love the Father. I'm about to redeem humanity, but man, that was tough, right? I didn't know where my mama was. Anybody ever get lost, lost in the grocery store? Come on, somebody, Right? Thought the rapture took place and you missed it. Come on. Mama, let the vacuum cleaner run in with the, go run an errand. You walked in and said, oh, God, I missed it. Right? Jesus wasn't broken. He wasn't fragmented. He doesn't have these areas that are saying, I'm good here, but I'm not here. He's our goal. Physically. I need to be like Jesus. I'm getting there. That picture y'all put up, I love that one. That was 20 pounds lighter right there. That promotional. That's my vision. Come on, somebody. They promoted us in Jesus' name. We rebuke that cheesecake. Come on, somebody. He's healthy spirit, soul, and body. Are you? Am I? See, I... I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. I don't need anyone to answer my altar call because I'm already answering my own. Because I'm on this journey. He's coming back for a bride that looks like him. So I brought you to this hopeless condition to tell you this. How do we do it? How do we get free in every area, whole in every area? I got a good answer for you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He is passionately, just like when you were a sinner, he was passionately committed to convicting you of sin. Remember those days? Trying to do dumb stuff and Holy Ghost is there. Right? I'm sitting on the tailgate trying to drink a beer and Holy Ghost is going, what are you doing? I'm going, leave me alone. 
right? Testifying of Jesus, just like he was passionately committed to you when you were in your sin to bring you to Christ, he's passionately committed to you now to look exactly as you should be as the bride of Christ. He is going to sanctify, he's going to purify, he's going to lead, he's going to do everything he needs to do to get you there. The first thing Jesus said, he says, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, the helper will come. I love that he called him the helper because I need help. (laughs) The helper's going to come. What's the helper do? Helps. He's going to help you. You know what Jesus said? He said, he's going to come and he's going to convict you of what? Come on, somebody. Sin. He's come to reveal what's wrong with you. Now, that's not a bad thing. Why? Because he wants to fix it. He's not coming to shame you. Right? Grew up with parents saying, shame on you. Remember that old adage? Well, shame off you. Right? Holy Ghost ain't putting shame on anyone. He's trying to get it right. He's exposing it because he wants to heal it and deliver it. So he comes to convict us of sin. Thank God. But not only that, he comes to convict us of righteousness. Just as much as he's telling you what's wrong with you, just as much he's telling you what's right with you. See, we only talk about the sin part, and rightfully so, and we should, but it doesn't stop there. He's also come to convict of righteousness. Do you know Muhammad Ali, whenever he boxed, he hired a man every fight to pay him $10,000, and he had one job. Tell me how great I am. And that guy could be heard standing in the corner. You're going to beat this fool. You're going to knock his lights out. He don't deserve to be in the same ring as you. $10,000 just to do that. Well, I've got news tonight. You ain't got to pay anybody because you've got the Holy Spirit constantly looking at you, saying you're a man of God, you're a woman of God. I know you slipped up, but get up. You're going to walk in righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. He's not just there to tell you what's wrong with you. He's there to tell you what's right with you. He don't just come to convict us. He's not just our helper. He don't just come to convict us of righteousness. He's come to guide us into all what? All truth. Why? Because every bondage can be traced to a lie. If you believe the lie, you empower the liar. And I have found in times in my life, if I didn't seem free in a moment, or if I'm walking through something that I don't see that I don't seem free, then somewhere down the line I have believed a lie. And I need the spirit of truth to guide me into all truth. It took me 22 years to get here, guys. Don't you just wish you started? where you knew now back then. But it's a process. It's a process of maturation. So we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. We're pursuing truth, and I just learned this. If what I'm feeling or dealing with, is it a fruit of the Spirit? And if it's not, then the Spirit is not doing this in my life. Anybody ever felt heavy? Come on, two people. You cast out a lion's spirit. Come on, somebody. 
Anybody ever had a form of depression, whether minor or major? Anybody just go through it for a couple months and thank God after three months, it's just like the burden lifts and you're like, God, I never want to go through that again, right? What I've learned is we actually go through seasons longer than we should because we're believing a lie that empowers the liar to be in our life. And all you have to do is stop and judge the fruit. Is this heaviness from the Holy Ghost? Is this depression from the Holy Ghost? Is this intimidation, insecurity? You name the thing. The fear, that's why Paul told Timothy, he said, that's not from your father. God didn't give you that spirit. Meaning what? You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to receive anything that's not from your father. That's so good. So when spring rolls back around and it's sinus season and you hear the knock on the door, this ain't good knocking, is it? You look through the peephole. Hey, it's me, Sinus. Sinus says, I'm going to mess you up for a little bit. You just go, oh, that's not from my father. No, return to sender. Go to a different house, right? No, don't send them to anybody else's house. Don't do that. Right? He's come to guide us into all truth. If you believe the truth, you empower the truth because Jesus is the way, the truth. And what does truth do? It sets you free. So let's talk about our part in this. Holy Spirit is doing his job regardless of the participation of people. How many were convicted but didn't surrender your life in that moment of conviction? There were many times he came to my door and I resisted. But he stayed persistent until I finally surrendered my life at the age of 17. He will be persistent with the body of Christ. Convicting of sin, convicting of righteousness, trying to get you in the truth. But you must participate with his work. You've got to surrender. You've got to yield. You've got to say, yes, Lord. See, we all quote John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. But we've got to understand, he says, then you will know the truth. If there's a then, there must be an if. And the if is in the verse before, John 8, 31. He said to the Jews that believed in him, okay, we're talking to Christians. What do you want to say to Christians? If you abide in my word, then you will know the truth. See, I've learned something in Christianity. We love, and I know I do, instantaneous deliverances. I mean, woo, get them on the platform. Put them, I mean, and I, I, I'm going to do it till Jesus comes back, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not bashing that. Right? They came in, addicted to drugs, came to an altar in a moment. We laid hands on them. They fell on the Holy Ghost. They get up and go, I don't want drugs anymore. And then we find out the craving left them, the addiction left them like that. We're like, woo. Come on, somebody. Right? But what I've learned in Christianity is this. There's many believers that are walking to altars that are walking back the same. They're disappointed. They're frustrated. They don't want to deal with pornography anymore. They don't want their marriage struggling anymore. 
They don't want that insecurity, that intimidation. This thing is broad. It's a plethora of things we could talk about tonight. So I'm not just picking on certain sins for you to kind of count it off and say, well, that's not me. I'm not in that world anymore. No, no, no. This is anything and everything. And I've learned that we walk to an altar and we want Jesus to do it. But I've learned something. That he doesn't set you free instantly. He actually hands you a shovel. And what does he say? It's time to dig. Get in my word. Get in my word until you mine out the truths that will set you free. If you abide in this, and you, and I'm not, I'm not talking about visit. Abide is not visit. This ain't like a stepdad that you see every other weekend. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about visiting. I'm talking about staying, abiding, dwelling. If you want freedom, you gotta, you gotta hang out for a while. And I'm going to keep gazing at it and gazing at it and gazing at it and gazing at it and gazing at it. And one day I'm going to look up and it's going to be gone. And it didn't happen because I came to the See, some of us have been to the altar so many times. We look like a greased up pig. Come on, somebody. That was a good Arkansas vernacular for someone. Been putting so much oil on you. Man. Right? And in reality, he gave you the tool to get your freedom. See, I've had these young men over and over again come in my office. Pastor Brian, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with homosexuality, same-sex attraction. You name it. And then I think back on my story. I think back on a young, passionate Jesus freak who struggled with pornography, who struggled with lust, and sat down with the Father one day and brought it to light and the Father told me exactly what I'm telling you. Find every scripture in this book about purity, holiness, adultery, fornication, whatever you, I had a stack of index cards this big at one point. Now, let me, let me go and testify. It's been 19 years since I've seen a pornographic image. That's awesome. 19 years. That was my first step. But purity is a journey, man. Now, I shouldn't even say men, because pornography is just as prominent with women nowadays. And you might not even be looking at images. You're reading those books, though. Come on, somebody. And that's a female form of pornography that if you're not careful, is going to lead your imagination to places. It's going to cause you to start despising your husband. Because he ain't like Fabio. Come on. Only the adults knew who Fabio was, right? All the kids were like, who? Don't Google it. <laughs> Rabio, oh Lord, help us. I'm about to enter the altar call. All right. I married late in life. I was 29 when I said I do to my wife at an altar. But I can tell you the truth at 29. I was the most pure I had ever been in my entire life. See, human anatomy and what people will tell you is the longer you wait, the greater the struggle. But that's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is the more you walk with God, the more you abide in his word, the more free you are. 
I just determined something. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. And I looked at that one day in the Bible, and I said, I don't want God to look at some angel and say, get that boy a wife because he is struggling. I determined when I read that scripture, this will not be me. I will take the passion that is misdirected right now, and I will point it to Jesus, and I will be a radical lover of God. Amen. And now we're seeing young men a year free, two years free, three years free. Why? Because they learned to dig. They came to a lot of altar calls. They were so down, so upset. Why am I not free? Man, I wish God would just abracadabra and make me look like him. I wish my insecurities would have just went away. But it took 10 years, 20 years of just walking and abiding and dwelling and saying, God, I gaze at your word. See, in 2020, I got a revelation. I realized that we maintenance what's important in our lives. If we got a vehicle, we get the oil changed. If a light pops on our, you know, screen there in front of us and it's unfamiliar, we're most likely taking it to a mechanic because we want our vehicle to operate to its optimal performance. God forbid an air conditioning give out. Come on, somebody in your home. You're going to pray in tongues for hours. We're going to resurrect the dead one way or the other, person or air conditioning. Come on, somebody. We maintenance what's valuable to us in the, in the natural but I recognize something. We walk to an altar and we say, I do with the spouse. And really, in essence, the minister looks at us too and goes, good luck. With 50% divorce rate in the church, good luck ain't working. So it hit me one day. I've got a good marriage, but I want a great one. I'm a good daddy, but I want to be a great one. So I stepped back, my wife and I stepped back into marriage counseling. You say, what was wrong? Nothing. We just wanted to be better. Why? I'm pursuing to get better. Anybody go to discipline your kid and your daddy showed up? I'm talking about inside of you. You say, I'm going to wear your butt out so hard you can't sit down. Come on, somebody. And then you say, where does Steve Beasley come from? Right? And you go, maybe this ain't the best way to parent. Right? Maybe some of the ways we've been doing things because of intuition and, 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 and we'll figure it out ain't really working in our marriages, in our parenting, in our finances. I think that's why Romans 12 too says, don't do it like the world. He said, actually, he says, don't be conformed to the world. You know what he's saying? He said, don't do this stuff like the world does it. She don't want a marriage like they got it. They got money, but they got bad marriages. Are you with me? Don't try to do this the way they do it, but renew your. What's he saying? He's coming back to the word. You better do this the way God wants you to do it. You better see the opposite sex the way he wants you to see the opposite sex. You better carry yourself in a secure way the way your father wants you to do that. You better get rid of that intimidation. That's not from your father. So he's inviting us 
to think like him, to act like him, to be like him. Why? Because that's our destiny. A few more thoughts on this. Number one, you need a foundation of a walk with God. I can't help you if you're not walking with God. I had a kid come to me years ago. Pastor Brown, I'm struggling with pornography. I said, how you doing in your word life and prayer life? He said, I'm struggling. He said, I'm struggling. It's just, it's just off and on. I said, before we even deal with that, let's deal with that. Walk with God. Go read your Bible and pray and show up when you're ready. So next meeting we had, he come in here. Pastor Brown, I'm struggling. I said, yeah, how's your prayer life and word life? He said, it ain't happened. I said, brother, I can't help you. Because you got to walk with God. You got to get that foundation. And when you got that foundation, I've recognized something. Everywhere I've preached this, I'm getting these messages. One woman messaged me not long ago. She said, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for coming to our church. She said, I'm not even exposed this to my husband. But she said, I live in horrific fear. Almost phobia-like fear. And this is what she said. She said, I would bring it to my pastor, but I just don't think they would understand. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. That you're the only one dealing with it. And the reality is, thousands in the body of Christ are dealing with it. Pastor's wives who live in anxiety. We went on one platform ministry trip, and one of your young students you couldn't really tell if the pastor's wife was at the altar or at her seat. She was kind of in between. So the girl, without knowing it, laid hands on the pastor's wife. She went out. I said, well, what? praise the Lord. Let's go. So we're eating with the pastors after service. We're sitting at this round table. And the pastor's wife said, let me tell you what happened when that, little, that young girl laid hands on me. She said, 10 years of offense and bitterness as a pastor's wife left me in a moment. You think other people don't deal with you what you're dealing with? It's all over the place. And the enemy wants to isolate you because as long as you're in darkness, he's got you. But I'll be embarrassed. Yeah, you will be. Did you know 99% of my council meetings with two, uh, two of my brothers, Pastor Sam Bentley and Joe Reeser, 99% of my meetings with them, when I came to bring things to light, they didn't accuse me. They didn't condemn me. I was ready for retribution. I was ready for discipline. And 99% of the time, they just would look at me and say, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. See, when you have a walk with God and you are ready to deal with whatever that issue is, the first thing you need to do is you need to expose it. And then you need to get in this book and find every scripture on that topic and memorize them. Jesus, the Psalm said, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, when he was tempted, he didn't go, now Satan, weren't you there the other day? When I got baptized, my daddy hollered from heaven. Right, I'm giving some southern vernacular here. That my boy, I'm proud of him. He didn't say that to Satan. What did he say? He said, it is Jesus in his moment of temptation resisted with the word. I had a revelation one day. I was reading uh, the armor of God. And he said, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And it hit me. It hit me. The Holy Spirit's weapon of choice 
is this book. The sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's sword, the Holy Spirit's weapon. Can you believe that? Now, we got many weapons of warfare, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, our worship, our praise. But the Spirit is choice, his number one choice is getting that book. Because you can't worship unless you're built on this, because we must worship in spirit and your prayers are not effective unless they're rooted in the word. It all comes back to a foundation of this. And when you've got this, you can fight. And I love that scripture. Then the devil left him. What? Listen, ain't nobody anointed enough where the devil's on your back all the time. Come on, Sam. You ain't that anointed, I promise. Right? There is a moment he will leave you alone if you just keep fighting. Abide in the word. Find every scripture on that area and gaze at it. I'm closing here. Uh, Travis, jump on up here. I I did something in July that was interesting. I've never done this before, Pastor Joshua, but I, I, I I, I love Tozer. I love some of these guys that talk about the attributes of God. So I said, you know, in the month of July, in my time with the Lord, I'm going to gaze at his attributes. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize what was about to happen. I began to study at first the mercy of God, just, I mean, inexhaustible in the Bible. Do you know it says three times as much about mercy in the Old Testament than in the New? Gazing at God who is merciful. And you know what happened to me? I became a little bit more merciful. That edge I had of criticism and cynicism almost went away. And I realized something. There's a principle that God gives us in this word. What you behold, you become. What you gaze at is what you eventually become like. If you are impatient, my friend, if you gaze at the long-suffering and patience of your father, you would be shocked at how much more long-suffering you would be. Your answer is in this book. Not visiting it, not glancing at it, beholding it. And I have watched, you know, I almost preached on disappointment tonight. I can name probably on one hand some disappointments, and I've been disappointed a lot, but I'm talking about disappointments that really set me back. I'm talking about disappointments that took the breath out of me. Anybody ever had that kind of disappointment? I had one that happened in April of this year. God, where are you? I mean, asking every question in the book. Still loved him, obviously. I'm not married to a miracle. I'm married to Jesus. Come on, somebody. I was disappointed. And I was scrolling. Something about Easter Jesus likes. Come on, somebody. I was scrolling my Facebook on Easter, looking at everybody's cute outfits. You know, the outfit you buy once a year and never use again. Come on, man. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. I come across this couple. And they have on there the scripture everybody uses, Matthew 28, 6. He's not here. He's risen. And then three words. As he said, 
jumps off the screen and hits me in the face. And the Holy Spirit speaks. And he says to me, Brian, I will do what I said I was going to do. With that rhema, it was a breakthrough moment. I wasn't free yet. Because what I've learned about Jesus is he'll unlock the prison door and open the cage. But it's up to you to walk out. And the way you walk out is by abiding. People say, I didn't get instantaneously delivered. I beg to differ. I believe you did. I believe he opened those shackles, but you failed to walk out. And if you stand there lingering long enough, he'll slap that chain right back around your, your leg. He'll close that door right back on you. Disappointment, I have my breakthrough. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. But I got in this book. I said, there was no, more, no one more disappointed than those 12 disciples. They put all their eggs in a basket. That's the Messiah. That's the son of David. But they had a preconceived notion of how it was going to go down. So when they got in that garden moment, and it didn't look like Peter thought it was supposed to look, he grabbed a sword. Listen, he wasn't going for no ear. He won't chop old brother's head off. Come on, somebody. Why? Because this is not how the story is supposed to go, Jesus. And when they watched him surrender to the arrest, put the guy's ear back on, the Bible says they all fled. Disappointment. They were so disappointed. Peter went back fishing. Thomas, after they appeared to the, ele- to the ten, he said, I don't even believe it unless I touch him myself. So these 12 guys, these 11 guys became my teachers. What do I do? What do I do? And then it hit me one day. Satan, Satan. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. What did he pray? I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And I realized a revelation, a light bulb went off. What's this disappointment about? Satan is after my faith. And the word set me free. I wanted an altar call because that's easier. Right? Just lay hands on me, Pastor. Get rid of all my problems. No. You might have to actually go to work to pay your debt off. (laughs) My wife and I paid off $80,000. And we chopped and chopped and chopped and chopped that tree and did what we knew to do in the natural. And then one day, Suddenly, $20,000 check in the mail, $10,000 check in the mail from the most unexpected sources. But we had to chop and abide and dwell and meditate and tithe and give and tithe and give and declare and speak and rebuke and cast down. Come on, somebody. If you want freedom and wholeness, you got to work for it. If you want a marriage that's just as spicy, come on, somebody. Just as spicy today as it was when you first got married, you got to work at it. If you want your kids to burn more than you've ever thought of burning, you've got to work at it. I just realized something. You got to run to freedom. You got to run to wholeness and say, Jesus, my desire is to look like you. Let's stand to our feet all across this room. Go ahead and just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's the Holy Spirit right there. That's it. 
that's it. I know he's not here to condemn you and he's exposing things to you right now, but he's doing it because he's come to heal. He's come to fix. He's come to guide you into all truth. He's come to convict you of sin. He's come to help. He's come to convict you of righteousness. He's come to tell you, you got this mama, hold on. You got this husband, don't quit on that marriage. You got this daddy, don't quit on that son. Don't quit on that daughter. I know you said to yourself last night, I feel like such a failure. But the Spirit of God says, you are not a failure. Come on, he's the spirit of success. He's the spirit of victory. He doesn't know a language of defeat. Come on, right now in the name of Jesus, let pornographic chains be broken in this room, God. God, I pray in the name of Jesus where lust has gripped men and women. I pray, spirit of lust, I command you, loose them and let them go. I pray for those that are struggling within their marriage. I pray for those that are cohabitating. I pray for those that are just trying to make it another day, but their their communication barrier has been broken down. I pray, Spirit of God, come and teach them how to be a husband. Come and teach them how to be a wife. Come on, he's the greatest marriage counselor you can ever have. Come on, he said the things to me that I've never read in a book before, that I never read in a Jimmy Evans book. I love Jimmy Evans more than them all, but I'm telling you, Holy Ghost can lead you in all truth. Jesus. Jesus. If you have your Bible, I want you to grab it and just hold it up. If you use your phone, hold your phone up. Come on. Come on. God, I pray tonight as we hold our Bible up, our sword, I pray that we would fall back in love with this book again. I pray, God, that you would put, move us, God, from obligation and duty to reading our Bible and putting us desire and delight for your word, God, that we would abide. Father, I pray, put an insatiable hunger in us for your word, God. I pray tonight, put a shovel in the hands of your people. Come on, I just see him handing shovels out tonight. Come on, I just saw the Holy Spirit, and it's golden shovels. They're glory shovels. Come on, it's got grace on it. He's going to give you grace, Mama. He's going to give you grace, Daddy. Come on, young person. There's grace to overcome. There's grace for victory. Come on, pray, pray, pray. Let's pray in the Spirit for a minute. Oh, Oh, come on, he's appreciative that you're a prayer warrior, that you're an intercessor. But he says, I'm calling you back to my word. Pray according to my word. Declare according to my word. Come on, he said, if if we abide in him and his words abide in us, we can ask whatever we desire. Come on, God, I pray, give that intercessor a hunger for your word. Let him see the breakthrough they desired. Jesus, God, I thank you that you've said something about it in your word. It don't matter what topic it is. It don't matter what issue it is. It don't matter what situation it is. Your word has a solution. Your word has an answer. Your word has a breakthrough that we need, God. Come on, I just heard that about disappointment. I just heard it in my spirit. Who is it? 
You've lived with disappointment. Raise your hand. Maybe you've recently had a situation with disappointment. Or maybe you've lived with a past disappointment that you've not been able to get over that mountain, get over that speed bump. Who is that? Raise your hand right now. Come on. If someone around you is with their hands up, I just want you to put a hand on their shoulder right now. Come on. The Spirit of God wants to heal of disappointment tonight. Come on. That thing's after your faith. That thing's after your faith, sir. Come on, that man with a Vic Fur shirt on. He's after your faith, sir. He's after your faith. Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you. Don't you lose faith. Don't you lose your faith. Don't you let him strip you of the greatest commodity of your life that can move the mountains. Come on, I see a mountain in front of you, sir. And the Lord says, hold on. Don't stop believing. Come on, we pray for those in disappointment tonight. Jesus, pull them out. Come on, I just saw you. You're like in this well, this, this water well, this empty water well, this waterless water well. But I see Jesus reaching down tonight. God, pull them out. Pull them out. Set their feet upon a rock. Let them stand firm in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. When in worship, I heard the name Gary. Gary. Is there a Gary in the room tonight? Is that Gary? Your name is Gary, or your spouse is Gary, or you have a close, intimate relative. I'm not talking about my third cousin removed. Come on, somebody. Is there a Gary in the house? I'm all right if it's not. See, that's the thing about prophetic. You can't be insecure. You can't be insecure. Castle, get up here. I just recently was at a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee to honor a pastor appreciation surprise for these youth pastors that I served with that introduced me to the ramp. Great couple, love the Lord, great church. They actually youth pastored my brother. I'm, I, I'm so grateful for them. But the youth pastor, the, the wife, her parents were there, and her parents were the pastors of the church that I began to attend. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, my life was radically transformed. Grew up in a mainline denomination and was introduced to this Pentecostal charismatic movement. So I just honored the mess out of Man, I love you guys. I love you guys. Well, the wife couldn't make it to the morning service, and I asked her husband about it. And I said, is Shelly dealing with a lot of sickness? And he said, yes, yeah, she's really been to the ringer. She had a wreck five years ago, and her brain is actually trying to push down into her neck. And anytime she gets in a car, it's as if everything starts spinning. Can't go to church can't enjoy the house of God. It's a work of Satan. She came Sunday night. I was so shocked. Shelly, it's so good to see you. I honored her. We called her out to pray for her. Just asked the saints to gather around her, and we prayed a simple, authoritative prayer in faith. Pastor, that next day, she immediately realizes the swelling is going down. 
Jesus actually took her brain and began to move it up into the place it should be. Today is day, what is that? That was Sunday, what's today? Wednesday, today is day three. She is doing better than she has done in numerous amount of years. Why? Because the prayers of the righteous avail much. And tonight we're gonna partner with Castle. And I know you already have been. But tonight is a night of turnaround. Tonight is a night of victory. Tonight is a night of breakthrough. Tonight is a night that we believe, Psalm 46, that he makes wars to cease. I hear that over you, Castle, that the Lord is saying that I am making wars to cease. I hear the accuser in your ear. I hear that through this whole process, the accuser has been standing there railing against you. But the Bible says he will break his, the enemy's teeth in his mouth. Yeah, Bethany, you stand right there beside him. Come on, so we lay hands. Stretch your hands this way. Come on, pray in the spirit. We lay hands on this man of God in the name of Jesus. We rebuke every ulcer that is in the stomach. We rebuke every attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We curse it tonight. We curse every ulcer. And we declare in the name of Jesus, tonight is a night of turnaround. Tonight is a night of healing. Tonight is the night of deliverance. Spirit of infirmity, we rebuke you. We say, go, go, go. Stretch your hands. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, I curse every ulcer. I rebuke every spirit of infirmity that has attacked you, castle. And I declare tonight, you are healed. Receive now. Come on, let's praise him for it now. Come on, begin to praise him. Begin to celebrate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more thing, and then, Pastor, you come on. One more thing. When I said that about the brain, it just jumped in you. Who is that that is dealing with something with your brain? That is dealing with your something your brain or someone very close to you is dealing with something with their brain. I want to pray for them. We're going to pray for them. Come on up here. Text you during the service and what does she say? That's it. That's with the Lord. Listen to this, church. And I thought about what this man came up earlier, and even Pastor Robert gave his word of knowledge. What God reveals, he heals. Come on, somebody. What God reveals, he heals. Let me get some of these leadership women around this woman right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, what's the girl's name? Okay. What's your friend's name? Scarlet. Scarlet. Father, in the name of Jesus. You said in Psalm 120 that God, you sent your word and healed our diseases and delivered us from our destructions. We send the word tonight to Scarlet's daughter. We say, be healed, be healed, be healed.
you, Holy Spirit, what you have revealed about the brain tonight. We command seizures to stop. We command peace. Be still over this daughter. Come on. I can't help but think about the Syrophoenician woman who came on behalf of her daughter, said, begging Jesus for help. Tonight, we say in the name of Jesus, be healed, be delivered, be free by the power of the mighty name of Jesus. Can we give God one more shout right now? One more shot of victory in the house tonight. Lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You just saw how I climbed on that stage. I need prayer. Come on. I got to get back to that picture. Come on, somebody. I kept telling Michael, I'm just going to jump in in one fell swoop to show all y'all what's up. But no, you saw that long walk. Thank you, Jesus. Lift those hands. Lord, we bless your people tonight. I bless Crestview's campus tonight in the name of Jesus, God. God, we bless them with that new building, God. We bless them with the funds, God. We bless them with the right people at the right time. In the name of Jesus, God, that even now you are sending your angels, dispatching your angels to make a way where there is no way. I just hear the Lord saying, I am sending you help from the sanctuary. Come on, somebody. There are church folk. There are believers. There are Christians. God, send them help from the sanctuary tonight. We bless God. This church, God, here, high praise, Panama City, God, Pastors Joshua and Miranda Gay, we bless them, God. We bless their family. We bless their children. We bless their finances. We bless, God, the work of the ministry. We bless this congregation in the name of Jesus, God. We bless Pastors Robert and Stacy Gay and their apostolic anointing, God. As they travel, we thank you that they will rise up on wings like eagles, God. God, we thank you that you are renewing their strength, God. You said he who waters others shall himself be watered. So God, as they pour out, pour back in just as much as they give. Let it be given back unto them, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over for your glory. God, expand your kingdom through this ministry in Jesus' name. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.